0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oz business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have you company as earnings season gets into full swing. So we're really delighted to uh, have our expert team today. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to see you. Good to be um, and Andrew Page from Strawman. Good to see you, Andrew. Good to be here. Uh, good you can take the top. We've been inundated with results at the moment, aren't we? It's just yeah. Magellan came out half an hour ago with a... A bumper result, Hamish Douglas. Who we talk about Magellan a lot on the uh, uh, on the call. They came out pretty well. Yeah, those are very good,
1: good numbers, particularly in a tough environment for most diversified financials. Yeah. But the number of reports really starts to ramp up from today onwards. For the rest yeah. of the month, I think we'll be hell bent keeping up, Dr- yeah. drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's good because it's uh, it's basically truth or dare yeah. for uh, yeah. for a lot of listed yeah. companies. You know, you just give us the numbers. Tell us how you're doing. Yeah. Um, We're going to get to your 10 stocks um, uh, very shortly. Thank you for sending them in. I always choose a stock of the day that's in the news and I thought we'd take a look at Seek um, who uh, reported their earnings uh, earlier this morning um, in a full year miss, earnings down over 9%, delivering a net loss of uh, just over 100 million in a tough run for labour markets. Seek's revenue for the group edged slightly higher to $1.5 billion, but not quite enough to give the group a four-year profit. Seek has already cancelled its final dividend, um, saying that shareholders should expect distributions to return once the economic conditions improve. We spoke to uh, Seek's chief executive. He came on Sunrise minutes after, uh, rather Ausbiz, uh minutes after uh, the result was announced, Andrew Bassett, this morning, and he flagged concern for the broader employment market. Take a look it's we have, we've had the first one so we do get a pretty good sense of where our ad volumes go from um the first lockdown so to some extent um, we actually have a pretty good handle on, on what it looks like from an economic point of view and what it looks like from a social point of view i think there's no doubt that everyone in melbourne i'm one of them um is recognizing this one is different it's worse um and so i think i'm a bit more concerned down that front of what it means for long-term employment rather than the short-term numbers if we take a long-term view of the business, which we always do. We feel very good about our business. We feel all of the long-term themes um, that were supportive of us being pretty optimistic for the longer term remain in place. Um, but the short-term is difficult and uncertain. So for now, we're um, retaining capital because we want to keep investing in the business.
1: Um, and that was the sensible thing to do.
0: Okay, that was Andrew Bassett there, the founder uh, or co-founder with, uh, with his brother. Um, and now Chief Executive of SEEK. So uh, being very conservative going forward, preserving capital um, and really waiting for the economy to turn around. Uh, Michael, what did you think of the result and does it change your view on SEEK at all?
1: Look, Firstly, it's one that we hold for clients and have done for some time and we will maintain that view that it's a very good quality business. The result itself, looking back over the last 12 months and then taking into account all that's happened, wasn't too bad, actually. Mm. Um, More or less in line with consensus, the Australian business held up better than I think most people in the market expected. The Asian business was a little bit weak, but Ping, the the Chinese business was very, very strong. I think where the market got a little bit spooked was the forward outlook. Uh, They didn't actually provide guidance, but they provided a scenario analysis, which sort of outlined a gradual return to norm which in that situation would lead to around 350, 400 million EBITDA, which was substantially below where the market was projecting. So the outlook's softer than the market was expecting, but going forward, we think it's a a very high quality business. We think they've been quite conservative given the forecasting issues that many companies are having at the moment. Um, And over time, it's conceivable the overseas operations will actually start to outweigh the domestic operations. At the moment, the revenue from overseas is more or less the same as it is from domestic, but the domestic operations have got high margins, but over time as those overseas businesses mature, we think that that will be a key driver for them. They own the largest or second largest job classified website in seven or eight different emerging markets um, ranging from Mexico to Southeast Asia, all sorts of interesting places where obviously the populations are significantly larger than what we have in Australia. So our long-term thematic hasn't really changed for Seek, we still like it. We mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily buy it today. We'll let this sort of wash out. But right. On further, I was weakness, going
0: I was to ask you. About yeah.
1: That. On further weakness, back
2: around sort
1: of $18, we'll be happy buyers of this.
2: Mm, okay. Andrew? Yeah, I'm going to agree with all of that. I mean, th- these guys have, have been around for a while and they are, they are very transparent, they're very honest. Um, they've given a very frank assessment. But the thing you've got to remember, these, these guys are, allocate capital on a very long-term basis. Mm. A lot of CEOs will sort of manage things quarter to quarter or half to half. They're thinking five years out, yep. you know, so was it tough for this period? Yes. Um, it'll probably take two years for earnings to fully recover. Um, but you know, the, the value of a business is based on its, the entirety of its future cash flows. And they've got um, a very resilient business. They've got a very strong market position. incredibly strong leadership. Um, it. it- the, the trouble I've always had with Seek, and this is one of these things that you sort of kick yourself with, you always look and go, oh, it's what a great business, but it's a bit expensive. Yep. And even after today's pullback, it's <laughs> still what close to about five times sales or something like that. Yeah. However, um, yeah, I, I'm with Michael. I'm in no rush to buy it at this, at this point in time, a bit more weakness than I'd be tempted to. But it would be very much going into that with a long-term view. Yep. I'm buying this thing with looking out to the next three to five years. And I think investors who do that will probably do very well.
0: Yeah. And also, it's uh, the quality of the management to handle these times going forward. Yeah. And and both Andrew and Paul, uh, yeah. the two brothers who started C, mm-hmm. uh, are just sensational. Sensational. Uh, they, uh, yeah. Some of the best, you call them entrepreneurs, but not the... You know, not the high-end risky entrepreneur. These yep. guys are just do everything by the book.
2: They act like long, well, they are long-term yeah. owners of the business. Yeah, you know, right. and that's and that's what they're thinking. And it's it's un- unfortunately quite a rare phenomenon. So yep. I, I, I think they're probably one of the best investment uh, team management teams on the ASX. Mm, okay, high praise there, uh,
0: and let's hope. Um, oh, is football teams doing all right? Andrew Bassett, of course the. Uh, uh, the president of the St Kilda Football Club and uh, they're going through a resurgence this year as well. So uh, hopefully meet them in the finals. Um, let's get into your stocks now. Uh, thank you for sending them through. First one, uh, Michael from Gavin. Um, he wants a view on on one of our second tier banks, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank.
1: Yeah, so look, obviously very tough environment for all banks at the moment, um, as the CBA results today reflect particularly being a second tier regional bank, I think it's even a more challenging environment. We've seen deferrals in the business lending space, um, you know, down 10, 15, sorry, up around 10, 15%, which is a substantial number. It's just a very, very difficult environment for for the banks. The fact is they need to be investing in technology on one hand, but on the other hand, they're trying to cut costs. And they've obviously facing the issues that are coming out of the Royal Commission, where they're struggling to generate non-interest income because of some of the fees that they were charging people. Um, so in an environment where it's it's tough to get overseas funding, the second tier banks struggle compared to the large tier banks to get overseas funding. They're relying on deposits. So from our perspective, this environment where net interest margins will continue to come under pressure and that sort of thing, uh, I wouldn't be rushing to buy Bendigo Bank.
0: Okay. All right,
2: Andrew? Yeah, 100%. Um, it's the same for all of the banks. I think we're just going into a very, very tough period. Um, the dividend will be cut almost certainly. Looking out the next couple of years, it might be about half what it was historically. But you know, interest rates are very low. If, if, you're, look, if you're an income investor really focused on, on dividends, okay, with franking, you might get sort of 5% to, to 6% total shareholder return over the next few years. It's not going to shoot the lights mm. out. Not nearly attractive enough for me. But if that sort of if that's good enough for you, yes. Yeah. If it's not, and it's not for me. And I would argue for most people, you could do much better elsewhere. I, I would stay away. Th- these guys were struggling for a while, even pre-COVID. Share price hadn't gone anywhere for a while. Dividends haven't gone really anywhere for a while. As Michael pointed out, there's some structural challenges that are that are really going on there. They don't have the competitive strength of the major players. So it's. It's it's, it's, not, it's never going to go to zero, right? But it, it's not going to shoot the lights right. out or even close okay. to it.
0: Just, just out of interest, what do you think of the CBA result today?
1: Yeah, I mean, it probably showed how much ahead of the other banks they are when it comes to investing in technology in previous years. Yeah. They've already got their cost down a little bit, although there was cost pressures across... The bank, obviously, they had a big drop in their cash earnings, but they still were able to pay a dividend, which is something that the other banks yeah. aren't able to do in this environment. And that's at, because at, of the Sort of the higher
0: end of the APRA limits. That's too, right. And, yeah. Well,
1: like the thing with the APRA limits is all the banks are very compliant. They've got a lot of extra capital on their balance sheet. But a lot of that compliance came from the fact that their corporate lending had actually improved a lot the outlook for corporates leading into the COVID situation had improved a lot so on the risk assessments things were looking very very good now however looking forward many corporates would be under stress and some of those tier one capital allocations were probably going to be reassessed lower but CBA is definitely in the best position of all the banks at the right. moment having done much of their investment in previous Cause years. Because
0: with the with the big four banks if you kept everyone loves Macquarie it was the fifth yeah. one, but of the big four banks you pay a premium for CBA because it's so much yeah. better and they proved it today. They
1: proved it, and I think over the last ten years they've consistently proved it. Over the last twenty years, so they justify that premium to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, it was trading at, a, at an all-time high before the COVID. It's come back
2: a little bit, but it's still starting to push that out again. Yeah, I haven't actually looked at the results yet, mm, yeah. but they—they yeah. they have. They have. I. Look at it and think, wow, they've really held up well given the the environment and the uncertainty that we're going into. Yep. But I've been bearish on the banks for a few yeah. years yeah. now, and, yeah, yeah. and and I would say justifiably so. They haven't really done anything <laughs> yeah. for a yeah, while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. It's it's not a, again price matters in this game. Price yeah. is everything in this game, and it's well, just they're not...
0: regularly called here on the call capital killers by yeah. <laughs> a lot of the experts on the, uh, well, that's what uh, the, the on the teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, going back further, wonderful. Um, uh, Wealth Winners, is yeah, that the other yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but but it's just it's a different environment now. A lot of the drivers that sort of su- su- surge them higher sort of between 2000 and 2010 aren't there as much anymore and yeah. I don't think are likely to return for a while. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: All right. Uh, there you go. Thank you for that suggestion, Gavin, on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Um, Andrew, this next one, um, suggested by Sean. Interesting. Only just recently listed, 4D Medical. Um has a patent on x-ray imaging platform which scans patients respiratory system whenever a company says respiratory your, your ears prick <laughs> up uh, to help improve the ability of doctors to diagnose and manage lung diseases um, I had a raise of what, almost 60 million dollars just a, a month or so
2: ago I wasn't familiar with them yeah. and I, as I started to have a bit of a look I, I was skeptical But the more I read, the more interesting it became, actually. So what what they do is they take X-ray images and they've got some um, very clever software that that generates these 4D images. So these these things, 3D images that change over time. Um, It's got a lot of of these lovely uh, software characteristics. Um, It's very low cost uh, implementation, uh, huge market share, uh, all of these kinds of things. One thing that really caught my interest was that Sam Hubert, who's the CEO of Promedicus, which is a real success story yep. in, in this imaging space, yep. is on their advisory board, um, which I think is a big tick uh, there as well. They are loss-making, um, uh, but they've they've got a lot of cash on hand following yep. the, that raise. There, they've got some good uh, uh, early sales, but this is this is. The bulls will sort of argue, wow, really cool technology, really cool characteristic, huge market opportunity. And that is all 100% true. But but this is about execution at this point in time. Yeah. And and for an investor, it's really hard to value uh, at this point because things can change so quickly mm. for better or for worse. I mean, just based on the numbers that are published, it's on 200 times sales. It's probably a useless um, measure <laughs> given where they are. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and ProMedicus had suffered from that kind of... Um, uh, criticism as well in the past but we see guns. how incredibly yep. well that has gone so I think I think it's a very interesting business, I would want to see a little bit of more water under the bridge right. before I was to be comfortable with it but yep. definitely one to keep on the watch list okay. uh, these are the IPOs that you want to be a part of, I think they <laughs>
1: raised money at 73 cents and then came on the boards and they basically double that now, founded in 2012 uh, you attach the tag software as a service to know med tech and there you go that's all you need these days but it definitely sounds like an interesting business with a very good product a huge addressable market that they can tap into Um, some of the x-rays that are used for many of these lung disease diagnoses go back you know back to the late 1800s sort of thing (laughs) so the technology is there to be revolutionized Uh, they basically turn x-rays into four-day imaging that's essentially what they're able to do so If the take up through clinicians and doctors around the world is there, then this business could do wonderful things. But as Andrew points out, they've got to now actually start to deliver uh, and commercialize this technology, and that is no mean feat. But they've done the first stage very, very well in building up this technology. But the next stage is very important. I'm also not too aware of the competitors that might be out there, like lurking below the surface. So you've always got to be a little bit cautious. It's very difficult to justify these prices. And, and like Andrew, I'd want to wait and see, you know, this actually right. play, play out over a couple of years, probably at least before getting yeah. too excited.
0: Uh, and test the management. If they've got yep. a good advisory board, you would right. hope the management can deliver, but yep. you've, we've got to see it first. That's Bit right, early.
1: but like, at the moment, the market is loving anything, software as a service yep. and med tech so. Especially with, as you
2: mentioned, the lung yeah. sort of in, yeah. you know, respiratory, yeah, 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 yeah. the oh, whole COVID thing. Well, oh, here we go, thing. COVID, you're yeah, no. <laughs> and, and, and of it's a, very, it's a very, very first order kind of thinking, and it's not that it's not a negative anyway, but, but there has to be some real fundamentals beyond the story. If it's yep, just a right. story stock, it's only a matter of time before yep. reality catches up. Yep,
0: okay. All right, Sean, there you go. Good analysis there of uh, 4D Medical. Uh, Bob wants uh, a view, uh, Michael, on Bailador technology investments. Now, by the sound of this, it's not a listed investment company, is it? It's sort of almost uh, an investment company in the tech area that's yep. like a listed private equity group that focuses on that's on tech stocks that want to raise?
1: Yeah, so I had come across this one before only because um, David Kirk, the, the former All Black uh, Fairfax um, director uh, sits on the board. Yeah. I think he's one of the, the founders of this business. Okay. Uh, it's basically a, a listed investment vehicle taking not venture capital or really private equity because the businesses are a mm-hmm. bit more advanced than this. They just haven't necessarily listed as yet. So they take quite mature businesses. They'll put someone on the board, and they'll hold the hand of the management team through the process to hopefully then exiting via listing oh, or even taking it right. um, to the market okay. and then eventually selling So they, they
0: say the characteristics of the company is two to four years of operation, yeah. still run by the founders, repeat revenue, international revenue, big market opportunity, yeah. so you right.
1: Yeah. yeah, and they have a pretty condensed portfolio, which is fine. I think they've said they've got about 10 different investments going at the moment. Oh. They've probably done many more in the past, but... Look, if. Looks you, a bit illiquid. It's, it's illiquid. Bizarre? The problem is, look, there's it, it definitely. If you want to have access to the tech space in the pre market area and you have no way of doing it, then this is not a bad vehicle okay. to go about things. You're basically outsourcing the portfolio management to a private equity type investment firm. So, look, I personally haven't purchased this. I probably don't know enough about the underlying investment. So, if you were to buy it, you'd have to really start to look at what they're actually holding, how advance down the track those investments are um, before they sort of realize the return on those things. But it's not a bad way of getting some diversification Mm. in the tech space if you want that sort of thing. But it's not a buy for me just because it's
2: not the sort of thing I'd look at normally from a
1: share investment point of view. Sure. Andrew?
2: Yeah. Well, so these guys listed around 2015 at about a dollar a share, Um, they're still around that kind of level. But I I think that belies what's sort of been happening under the surface here. Michael said, about 10 SaaS kinds of businesses. Um, a bit earlier stage than what a lot of people on the ASX would be used to. The great, the great thing about that stage of business is that you pay um, much lower multiples than what you'd ever pay for listed equities. So they're, mm. they're relative, really, really, really cheap. And when they, they look to eventually list, there's, there's a lot of upside there. There's also a lot of risk there as well. That's, that's the price you pay. And the other thing is, there's a lot of illiquidity there. So, mm. what these guys have to do is, they have to get independent valuations done every so often to sort of say, look, this is the, the net tangible asset oh. value of our of our businesses. And anyone who's been in the private investment space will know that there's a lot of thumb sucking <laughs> that, that, that goes on there. And, and, and I'm not. And I'm also, not, if you put them in your self managed super fund, your auditors are going, Oh,
0: how did they come to that valuation?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, and, and you can skin a cat a thousand yeah, different yeah, ways. Exactly. So, um, but it was interesting. I had a look at them, uh, the recent an- announcements. Um, as, a, as a portfolio of these 10 stocks, the revenue top line growth has been really exceptional 20% kind of growth mm. there. 86, 87% of their revenue is recurring uh, in nature. Um, they tout some really attractive return on investments from what their entry price was versus what they've managed to exit at. But again, that exit is 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 not always guaranteed. It's not always when you need it to be. You can't always get out as much as you want at, at, at that time. So I think it's it's something that you'd want to. I would want to have a, a closer look at at the management team. Yeah. I would want to be prepared to sort of sit on this for, for quite a while for these things to sort of be realised. But it looks interesting um, okay yeah I, I think it's again one for the watch list okay
0: all right um there you go uh thank you for that bob with that suggestion uh andrew ross wants uh speaking of SaaS um businesses a uh, a view on whisper um it's sort of in that provides communication management systems does have and workflow solutions for big corporates
2: Yeah, I actually need to get a better handle on on what that means. Communication management, because that can mean a lot of things. And so only having just looked at it this morning, I'd want to dive into that. But the numbers were really impressive here. So only recently listed the most recent quarterly result. Their annual recurring revenue was up 35%, which is really great. Customer cash receipts also growing really strongly. There is up by about the same amount. Um, They're on track for their prospectus guidance. Uh, very strong customer retention. In fact, the revenue retention is more than 100% because their existing customers are spending more uh, than what, what they did previously, right. which is always, always a nice thing. So you yep. would, there's, there's often a lot of hype here, uh, but, but you know, when you've got existing customers who buy in and then the next year decide to spend even more, that's a really good sign that they are, they are doing something right. Um, what's particularly interesting is that they're very close to cash flow break even. And I really love companies that are close to that inflection point because as as they spin past that, a, a lot of the um, a, a lot of the capital pressures go. The market gives a lot more um, uh, a higher valuation to those kinds of stocks. And because they are these have these SaaS characteristics with generally pretty fixed costs, you tend to see mm. much higher earnings growth as you go past that zero point relative to yep. what's frankly already strong revenue yep, you've growth. You've got
0: critical mass, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. So
2: yeah. it looks really interesting. Again, it, it, the a lot of this is in the price though this is 10 times their forward annual recurring revenue right. so it's one of these situations so we're
0: not where talking where earnings here this, this is, is 10 times revenue
2: of all the revenue yep. they've got locked in for the next 12 months they trade so not, not that they've earned in the last 12 months or that they've got now what they what they yep. hope to earn and that, that's 10 times that. Um, that's not that's not um, bizarrely enough that un, unusual in this current market. Yep. But again, it shows you what it what it tells you is, is that if there's any sort of miss along the way, there is potential for quite a bit of downside and volatility. So yep. I think you, you need to be aware of that going into it. Right. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's not a business we own. Um, it's one I've looked at in the past just because it's been so well received and it was taken right. off there for a while. But look it's one venture, of these
0: venture capital land yeah. originally before an it IPO it's
1: one of these sort of low code no code software whatever they call it um, whereby yeah. you don't need to be a tech genius in order to use these templates or put together these communication templates that are used to speak with your customers or your internal staff so they've got some very large customers you know BHP AGL a lot of government organisations FoxTel but i think what the market has done here is it's looked at their customer acquisition path for the last You know, six months and just extrapolated that for for the next five, 10 years (laughs) to assume that they're going to be able to continue that momentum. And look, if they do deliver on that, then it's probably worth this current price. But there's a big if there. And if they do have that slip up along the way, it's going to send them crashing back to earth pretty quickly. But it's got founder led involvement to some degree, high gross margins, software as a service, high customer retention, all those key metrics that you look for in these SaaS businesses. So there's definitely merit to the underlying business. It's just whether or not the current price today justifies uh, buying it. And, and in our view, it's probably too expensive. Okay.
0: Too expensive for, for whisper there. Um, something that uh, has got a bit of a longer track record, but in the, the travel market suggested by by Tanya, corporate travel management. Uh, Michael, um, one of the leaders you've, Stick yep. them in there with Flight Center and WebJet, don't you, and corporate travel, and yep. basically the three biggies there. And Hello World.
1: It's been a great performer over the very long term uh, yep. since it listed, I think, at a dollar. Um, it's been one of the real success stories in the market, but it's had its troubles of late, not only because of COVID, but because of a short report that was listed a couple of years ago yep. now by, I think, VGI Partners, who was quite well regarded when it came to some of those short yep. theses. Um, it was all centred around the recognition of revenue on whether it was cash receipts or, or on credit. They so seem the, to have...
0: Uh, like a governance issue, wasn't it? That's that right. Transparency, yeah. Um,
1: so I think they seem to have overcome those initial fears. Um, the, the broken community is fairly on board with it still. But obviously this travel environment is under a lot of pressure.
2: Yep.
1: Um, however, their performance has been better than expected. Um, in the US, for instance, corporate travel is still pretty prevalent. It's mm. also starting to pick up again in Europe. I saw those
0: figures there uh, yeah. earlier this week, that's, wasn't I, from... Yeah. Um, I, I, and all the transport stocks That's right. through the
1: roof. So the figures haven't been as bad as expected. Everyone's assuming worst case scenario. Even in Australia, uh, until obviously the lockdowns in, in Melbourne, things were mm. pretty decent when it came to the corporate travel. So their view is that they're in the best position relative to their competitors. They've got enough capital on their balance sheet. So although they might go through a tough period, which everyone's expecting... So far it hasn't been as bad, but they'll also come out the other side better than their peers. Yep. Um, I'm not willing to pile money into travel stocks just at the moment, right. because I still think it's a bit of a moving target and, and too difficult to predict with any certainty. And I just don't see the need at the moment to go down that path.
2: Okay.
0: Mm. When the turnaround comes, are they the best? They are in the corporate travel space. Uh, they,
1: they probably offer good value, assuming that they get back 90% all the way to where they were pre, right. pre, pre of the crisis. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's. It's just. It's in the too hard basket for me. I mean, you, the the range of potential futures is really, really, really wide. On one hand, there's a vaccine. Well, Russia reckons it's got one now. Maybe maybe that's out, and we're all back to normal in six months' time.
0: Uh, for those who haven't caught up, Vladimir Putin came out overnight and said Russia has lodged the first vaccine, only trialed it on a hundred people. Including his daughter. (laughs) Not on him. Not on him. That's Putin parenting for you, one (laughs) hundred and one. That's all right, dear. You just got it. Someone said to me this morning, "Why wouldn't you trust a former?" head of the K- KGB with a needle. Yeah. Right. That's right. right. What could
2: possibly go yeah, wrong? There you go, dear. You try it you try It's it. normally in the end of an umbrella or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly, right. exactly, or a pen. Um, so, but, but then on the other hand, you know, this is a really pernicious virus. You know, look at what happened in New Zealand. hundred yeah. days without mm. anything, and then, bam, it's popped up again. So... So this could go on a lot longer. And again, I don't, I'm not silly enough to try and make a specific forecast, but I just recognize that range of possibilities. So for me, it's the same kind of situation as Michael. I will give a very big hat tip to their historical performance. It has been absolutely outstanding. Um, recently they made point of the fact that 60% of their travel bookings are domestic and domestic travel is likely to hold up a lot better than international travel which is good they've got a really good capacity to resize the business so a lot of their costs are in staff costs so they might have to resize there as well and then outside of that there's a very big proportion that are variable costs so they'll survive they'll come through it Um, they might be a bit of a smaller business when they do Um, but until that is clearer uh, for me, it's it's just, it's wait and right. watch. Unless you get some really crazy um, discount and you can factor in a big margin of safety there, it's just, it's not too hard.
0: Okay. When it does turn around, same question as I said to Michael, which is, which are best leveraged for the turnaround? Is it Webjet because it's purely online? Is it Flight Center because... They're basically re-engineering their business, but still have a a, a big client base, or yeah. is it corporate travel? Uh,
2: they're they're all businesses that have great pedigrees, which yeah. is hard. So that's a tough question.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I would probably lean towards Webjet. I think right. they're doing some really okay. exciting things, but it's it, there's no shame in saying too hard in this game, and I'm, yeah. I'm more than happy oh, to say exactly right. I'm not going to put it. <laughs> I'm not going to plant my flag anywhere just yet. No, yeah. no, and that's fair enough too.
0: All right, uh, let's just recap the uh, the first five stocks, including Seek. Um, after their um, after their earnings result today, uh, both Andrew and Michael uh, really rate six management, rate it as a company. If you're in it, hold it. Um, if the share price gets down to around $18, then you know, good chance to accumulate a great Australian company. Uh, no for Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Uh, 4D Medical uh, really hasn't had the track record yet. Only IPO um, earlier this month, late like last month. So. Uh, really good product, got a good advisory board, but hey, let's see if they can deliver on their on their prospectus. Uh, Ballador, um, a no from uh, from Michael Andrews, put it on its watch list. Uh, his watch list, uh, a no for Whisper because it's just incredibly expensive at the moment, um, and really doesn't have a long-term track record. And corporate travel, um, I think Andrew summed it up perfectly, just too hard, anything <laughs> anything in the travel sector at the moment, we just need some more certainty. Look, quick programming note, we'll be joined after 1pm by the chief executive of software company Reckon, uh, Sam Allert. The company yesterday said profits are up over 2% in the year, it would take a stake in US company ZebraWorks in an effort to access the 2 billion US legal practice industry. Um, Mr. Allert will tell us about the new deal. Uh, from 1 p.m. right here on Ausbiz. Um, Let's go into uh, our second half of the stocks that you've suggested. And Jacinta uh, wants an opinion, Michael, on Mastermind Group, um, a mining contractor uh, group, Mm -hmm. which seems to specialize in in the coal industry.
1: Yeah, so it's just a a typical, from what I can understand, it's not a business I, I know very well or looked into in great detail, but... A typical mining services business that's leveraged to the coal sector um, will fluctuate or will tend to fluctuate with the coal price primarily. And if you sort of overlay that chart um, with the coal price, you'll see that they tend to move in tandem. When the coal price is going well, the outlook for that broader sector tends to be positive. Yep. And those businesses servicing coal mines tends to be positive as well. But it's hard to get too excited about a mining services business that's focused on coal that the yeah. future for coal is uncertain and clouded, despite what your views might be on that. So from my perspective, um, I wouldn't be investing in something such as this.
0: Right, okay. And, and Andrew, it's a, an interesting point, anything to do with the coal industry. Mm. You know, whether you you have an environmental or an ethical filter in your investing is is up to you. Mm. But a lot of the big fund managers are now going, yeah. and, and, and super funds are going, we're going to have nothing to do with coal, yeah. so that that puts a pressure on on share prices, which isn't normally on other stocks.
2: Yeah, and 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 they're not coming at it from a, an ethical standpoint. They're coming at it from a hard-nosed sort of. It, it, it's a sunset industry. Should point out these guys are mostly metallurgical coal, yeah, um, different from from uh, coal use for energy, yeah. um, uh, so it's, it's more construction sort of related, um. Look, coal's not going away anytime soon, but it is, it, it is sailing into the wind. And um, having said all of that, uh, th- these guys look as though they're on track for some really good growth this year. The PE's only on eight or nine. They're paying a dividend still, which is about 7%. The trouble with the, and we've seen this historically with this business and with others in this space, is these, these are people businesses, they're services businesses. Yep. So it's all about utilization of your staff. You don't want a lot of expensive engineers twiddling their thumbs because you just it costs a lot of money. Yep. Um, but when there's a lot of work, they make they make out like bandits. Um, unfortunately, as Michael rightly pointed out, that you, you you are very reliant on these externalities. What's happening with the coal price? What's happening with your customers? You have no control over that. And when it goes when it when it doesn't go well, this operating leverage works in reverse and it can right. be very, very tough. It's it, Some would argue people who know it far better than me might argue Look, this is, this is fairly well priced in um, but it's just not a space that I like to invest in. Okay.
0: Alright. So a no for Mastermind. Thank you Jacinta. Um, Andrew, Lifestyle Communities is something Stephen uh, wants a view on. They um, specialize in over uh, basically a property company isn't it? Um, yep. That specializes in over 50s Um, living complexes, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Ageing population, the theme immediately says to you, oh, gee, this is a good thematic to be in, but can they deliver?
2: (laughs) I'm always cautious of these big macro sort of secular trends, even though when they're they're probably very correct. Because you see so many investors use that as a justification. You know, I'm buying into that because of the ageing population. But remember, these are trends that play out It's not going to happen, like, there's not going to be a big change in the structure of the population in the next six, years. You know, if that is your driver, that is the core of your investment thesis, by definition, you've got to sort of be in there 10 years, sort of plus. So that's that is the first thing. Um, These guys have a very impressive history of of development of these uh, communities. They tend to recycle their capital pretty well. They've got a good base of recurring revenue. They charge their Their customers rent on that they can uh, flip properties take that money raised and then buy something else and develop it again and they've got a very good history of that share price is up 13 fold i think over the last 10 years also doubled over the last three years so they've absolutely delivered for shareholders Um, the question is of course is is that Sort of elephant in the room of what's going to happen with property prices that held up very, yep. very well. You might argue that that dynamic is is different. These guys are Melbourne based. Yep. So, something else to sort of consider. Um, the net tangible asset backing of, of the business is about two dollars fifty versus a share price of eight dollars fifty. So um, it just it just seems a little bit too uncertain for me. Although again, credit where it's due. Right. They have they have delivered over the long term. Okay.
1: Andrew summed it up pretty well. Um, They're basically independent retirement living, not an aged care centre, which I think is a big positive for them. Um, They've delivered great growth over the years. They've done exactly what they say. They've got the track record, but there's a lot embedded in the price based on management's ability to deliver because NTA is quite low relative to the share price. Um, The fact is they do get good ongoing income, which is indexed to the age pension. So as the pension increases, their income tracks with that most of the time. Uh, COVID today it hasn't really stood in their way. They continue to go out there, um, develop new properties. They've been settling on a number of properties as well. They've acquired they a large... They really good fees. That's right. And if
0: you want to sell the property, you've got to sell it through...
1: The that's right. So they, they, get they get not only the actual it. land value and the sale of the property, but they get the ongoing rental that's out of it as yeah. well, which is... Which is a positive so there's really two strings to their to their bow, if you like so it's a it's not a bad business at all but in this environment with property prices with what's going to happen with elderly people or older generations whether they're going to be put off by communal living in this sort of environment who knows so again it's not the stock for today um however it has done an incredible job in rebounding as well as it has
0: yep and, and well run. Well the run, no state. doubt about really it. Really good good company to be involved in. All right, thank you for that, Stephen. Um, now, Michael Ellis uh, wants a view on Crown Resorts, the big uh, accommodation, yep. entertainment, gambling business. So it's building a casino right yeah. <laughs> next door to us here at Brangaroo Studios.
1: Yeah, so look, this business, obviously has streamlined itself in recent years, getting out of the, the Melco casinos. They obviously had the big issues with the the, the um, Chinese gamblers coming into Australia and some of the, what do they call it? Some of the sort of gambling tours, I forget the, the technical name for it. Yep. But basically with the high rollers, the high rollers they're very dependent now on delivering the uh, Sydney Tower on time and on budget. And, yep. and it looks like they will. So that's a, a big tick for them by the end of the year. Too, though, the know know, of the year. So That is certainly a big tick for Crown. Uh, They just need, in many ways, the international tourism market to pick back up and they need the high rollers to return. And I'm not sure that will happen. So for that reason, it's hard to see them taking off anytime soon without that. They might might hang in there and do quite well off their current developments, redoing some of their existing casinos. But without that extra kick of the overseas gambits coming in, then it's going to be difficult for them to really charge as a share price
0: because yeah, it is like a tourism business. That's right. It? And it's a, the gambling tourists and usually the overseas ones, the high yeah. rollers. That's where you make your biggest margin. That's right. That's the margin. Domestic. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise
1: it's just a property developer, right? which is okay, but you're never going to get the excess high returns that right. a lot of the investors would be hoping for with an investment in Crown. Mm.
2: Andrew? Yeah. Um, Again, when's this international tourism market coming back? Mm. What does that kind of look like? Uh, It it is very tricky. I would say historically, you know, earnings growth has been pretty unimpressive. Uh, EPS uh, per share earnings below where it was back in 2012. The return on equity that they have has consistently been below 10. There's some issues around that, as Michael alluded to. Um, You know, shares have been going sideways even pre-COVID for five years as well. they're going to see a big drop in earnings this year. I think the forecast is for 65%. And then you look at some of the consensus numbers going out to FY22, and it's still below where they were last year. And and uh, on a multiple basis, they're, they're trading it at 18 times the guidance for FY22. So layer that in with all the uncertainty and the bit of the the, the the not so great track record. And it's just, it's it's not enough to tempt me.
0: Yeah. Um, and also, Casinos attract a lot of attention, do they, do. they? from regulators, yep. from governments, yep. uh, from authorities. Because, as they should. Yeah, yeah, you know, the whole money laundering yeah. issue. And,
2: they don't have the greatest reputation no, as, no, as an industry.
0: No, yeah. no, 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 but Crown's been smart that they've sort of built complexes that are basically entertainment right. venues as well, aren't yeah. they? But they're just not a straight casino. It, That's right.
2: Uh, Look, when, when, when casinos are run well, it's a license to print money, yeah, right? Like, think so. It's a mathematical inevitability that you're going to make money over time. Yeah. The odds are in their favor. Yeah. Never bet against the house is the old saying. Yeah. So, But but there is a whole bunch of other considerations on, on all of so that. So you'd
0: put Star in that as well, I suppose? I, I'd prefer probably
1: Crown over Star um, right. just in terms of the quality of their assets and the fact that they aren't as reliant entirely on casinos. Like For instance, the... Tower that they're building here in Barangaroo, um, the economics of it isn't dependent necessarily 100% on the casino. Yes, they yeah. would love that casino to be it's operating. Quite a small casino, it's a small it? casino, but it can stand on its own two feet as a residential tower and hotel. Um, and they've got very good quality assets relative to Star, in yeah. my view, who are looking to do a bit of catch up. They're doing some improvement on their Jupiters up in Gold Coast, or recently have. Yep. They're looking to also get a new hotel built over in Piermont there on the existing site. So they've got a few more risky decisions to get through in order to catch up to the position that crowns in, in yep. my view.
0: So yeah. do you keep them separate to, say, your Tabcorp and Jumbo Interactive and Aristocrat? Mm. you say, okay, you put the casinos to one side and then... There's the other gaming, straight gaming players, Yeah, I just or don't do think you lump them all in together. I look,
1: you can lump them all together, but you're looking at, at different businesses because they don't have the same economics or margins as, say, an aristocrat or a points bet or a jumbo, yeah. which are more sort of reselling something yeah. um, or, or, or and more on, software, Yeah, an online oriented. software oriented um, business. Yeah. These still That's have an old point, world yeah. physical assets that will need to be redeveloped in 10, 15, 20 years to yeah. modernize them, make them. Fashionable again, etc. Mm. So there's an ongoing maintenance component mm. um, and capital management component that needs to occur with Crown's assets relative to a a yeah. jumbo or a points better. It's a bit,
0: mm. bit funny now that you mention it. Um, the the online sort of area, neither Star or Crown have really no. got into that. They're doing a little right? bit, a, a li- yeah, but, but it, not it, major. It's, you know,
2: even if it goes incredibly well, it, there's there's the uh, inertia. Of the other yeah. side of the business, so it, yeah. it's not going to be dial moving in and of itself. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Right. Jumbo a much better bet for me. Yep,
0: yeah. good discussion. Um, thank you, Alice, for that suggestion on Crown Resorts. Um, now, Andrew, Steve wants a view on Primero, Premiero Group, uh, a big engineering company um, based around
2: the world. Yep, it's another another engineering services company. Uh, half of their revenue is associated with iron ore. Um, they haven't been on the the boss for too long, so uh, since late 2018, I think is when they listed shares down about 25% um, uh, in that time. You look at their sort of pre-listing results. And they specialize in iron ore. Uh, they've got they got a bit of energy, a bit of infrastructure, oh, okay. but but the lion share is definitely definitely iron ore. So again, a lot of those comments we said um, earlier about mastermind, we can we can cut yes. and paste. Very yep. reliant on on those externalities. Um, but you know, I can see I can see why why the viewers it's caught caught their eye. I mean, revenue growth seems to be attractive. Operating profit growth seems to be attractive. The uh, the multiple doesn't seem too demanding. They claim a record order book. I mean, you know, order books are, are great things, but until <laughs> until they actually come through. But it, but it, hey, it's it's an encouraging um, uh, uh, sign. But again, not not a space I play in. Um, I, I think that. If I did the numbers very quickly, correctly here on the back of a napkin, an enterprise value to EBITDA ratio of about four or so, which is not not very not very demanding at all. But again, these these businesses can can um, suffer big big drops from time to time for yeah. factors beyond their control. So you need to layer that in. But it, it looks interesting. Not for me, but I can. Okay. it looks interesting. Uh,
1: again, a in mining services business, they do, t- look, looking back to the end of the commodity super cycle, last time commodity prices were booming, uh, there are a number of uh, mining services companies that looked very good on paper that were doing wonderful things had great order books i mean forager uh, not forager i um, forge sorry Forge yeah. went belly up um mm. Bore at long year almost went belly up so there's a number of these companies that looked really good at the time and uh, then you have a couple of blowouts in projects or the cycle starts to turn and competition heats up and you start to erode margins and they can get themselves in trouble pretty quickly because although the order book can look very good for the next 12 months, it's about replenishing that going forward. And right. if yeah. commodity prices come under pressure for whatever reason, all of a sudden the amount of work that's out there disappears and you get more people competing over a smaller pie sort of thing. So right. it's, it's a, a good business at the moment. They've got some tier one, good quality miners, Rio Tinto, Fortescue Metals, and they're building some pretty intricate um, and, and unique things, which only they can probably do or only a few people can do. So there's definitely good traits about this business. What I found interesting, it sounds like they might do a couple of principal investments along the way as well. So they're taking stakes and some up and coming miners and might build a project or whatever it may be and then hope to realise it down the track sort of thing. And that's obviously interesting, but it's also fraught with danger and risk. And I stand corrected if that's not the case, but from the brief reading I I did, that's sort of what my understanding is. So. Not only are they providing the, the servicing part, but they're taking on a couple of investments too, which was quite interesting. But I'll just be very cautious that these are very cyclical businesses and they can get yeah. caught, pinced in the middle between cost blowouts and, and then their yeah. tier one miners putting pressure on them in terms of costs as well. So, What's the
0: market leader in that? So is it, this is Monodelphus' Well, there's Monodelphus, there's, sector there's, yep.
1: there's Wally Parsons, which is more yeah. hydrocarbons and energy um, as well. And they tend to be... Very, very good. And often these contracts aren't necessarily one on price. If you've done it well in the past and you formed a good relationship delivered on scale and on time, then often you'll continue to win the projects. But there is obviously a place for these smaller companies as well to come in and and offer their specialized help in certain areas too.
0: Okay, all right. So there you go, uh, Steve, good analysis there. Uh, Michael, our final stock suggested by Chris Kathmandu, the big retailer, yeah. outdoor um, clothing retailer?
1: Yeah, it's been very interesting because although we've been through this tough period, many of these online retailers and many of these retailers in general have actually done quite well. I mean, we've had sort of Nick Scarly, we've had JB Hi-Fi, Katmandu is one of those. It's obviously come under a lot of pressure, mm. Mm. but their numbers haven't been too bad. Uh, they've obviously got the Kathmandu brand, you know, the puffer vests and that sort of thing, but they've also got Rip Curl as well. Uh, it's not a business I would ever own. Um, I, I re- remember going back a couple of years. It's either always too cold or not cold enough, and, and that's influencing the sales. And it's just a hard business to run. And you know, fashions and tastes well, yeah. and fads. Look at
0: that. What three fifty nine down to a yeah. dollar four? Mm.
1: It's been hit pretty hard, but their actual Imagine business it. hasn't been that bad. So yeah. people are just uh, assuming there that you know, it's an absolute disaster. So there could be some value in there if you're a bottom feeder looking for a turnaround story, but the, the balance sheet um, and, and the type of business that it is just doesn't appeal to me, given the constant need to renew and, and reinvent yourself,
2: which can be difficult over time. Yeah, as a, as a sector, retail is, is just, the history of retail is littered with, with stories of failures. You yeah. know, Even the ones that sort of have success, they don't necessarily keep it. It's just, it's, it's the nature of the, of the game yeah. there. So it, it, is, it is very, very, very hard. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting. So the same store sales for Rip Curl and Kathmandu respectively up twenty one and twelve and a half percent in the last six weeks through to twenty uh, eighth of June. So they've, when they did reopen their stores, people came back. Yeah, they did all right. And, yeah. and 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 as has been a real theme this reporting season, the online component of their sales up you know one hundred and fifty one percent for Rip Curl and seventy eight percent for Kathmandu. But but. Um, will that last? And I thought it was interesting in their, one of their most recent releases, they themselves were saying, to quote, there remains significant downside risk over future economic conditions following the conclusion of government assistance packages. Right. And, and and I think that is, we have seen things hold up very not, well. Not
0: only for customers, but for them. Yeah. Like the Adairs result. Yeah. Y- yes. When they said, we've had $11 million <laughs> in JobKeeper and government assistance yeah, and... That lifted our revenue and we're going to pass that on to shareholders with a dividend. I was thinking, if you're you're doing so well, it's sort of the floor in JobKeeper which has been changed after September, but it was only, to qualify, it was only based on that one month doesn't matter if you shot the lights out after that; That's you right. kept getting the subsidy. Yeah, so yep. Do would have a have it, a fair bit coming through too.
2: I, I, absolutely, and this is the hard thing. I mean, what does it look like after the assistance packages yeah. run out? Are, are people going to be have the same propensity to, to spend? And it's it's just it's very very difficult. A forward pay of fifteen or so potentially on on trough earnings is not right. not terrible, but. It it's, it needs to be a, a return judged against the potential for risk, right. and and on a risk, as they like to say, a risk adjusted basis. It's just a little bit too spicy for me. Okay, yeah.
0: And um, okay, if you were, you know, Buffett says, you know, you always buy sectors when everyone hates them, and everyone hates retail at the moment, except for Nick Scarley, I suppose, and mm. JB Hi-Fi, which is yeah. everyone's darling. But if you wanted to, to not have an investment. In retail turning around, would Catman do be at the top of the list, or would there?
1: Ooh, I think for us, Bapcor has always been our go-to in that consumer discretionary. Oh, Nick it's a great as well. Is one yeah. we've had for yeah. a number of years. Uh, they've probably Good been point. our two out-and-out retailers that I can think of off the top of my head. But right. again, there's defensive qualities to Bapcor uh, in the way that their business operates, although it does sell.
2: They're in car aftermarket parts. Aftermarket like car that, parts. Yeah, yeah.
1: Obviously, people need to continually upgrade their, their cars and service their, their cars. Nick Scully, um some of the clients sold when the housing market started to come off because we always thought that no one would be spending as much money on yep. fitting out their houses if there's less apartment constructions. So we did quite well out of that. It then fell, but now it's recovered back to where it was where yep. most of the clients got out. So they tend to be our two that I can think of right, okay. immediately.
2: Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm, I'm not going to argue with Buffett, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But, but I, there's probably a few caveats to that. And, and this is this is one of the, the hard thing about Buffett quotes, because there, there are always exceptions <laughs> to the rule, you <laughs> know? Um, um, and, yeah. and he shows it himself. Even to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. right buy an airline and Don't look, and look he what he through. did, yes. you know? Exactly. So... So um, I think what you what you really look for in an investor is a business that is undoubtedly experiencing a bit of a, a rough patch, yep. but, but a rough patch that is very transient. We we're talking about Seek at the, yeah. at the top of the hour. Yep. That's a classic example. You know, that that's a business that is absolutely well, had a tough year. It's going to have another tough year, maybe one after that. But longer term, the business has still got a very bright future. Yep. So you want so so yes, yeah. when everyone's it's selling and everyone hates it. Yes, on the proviso that the long term is still in. Right. in. Otherwise, you're just going to you're just going to be buying all the way to zero. And I think right. the competitive advantage is a big thing there. Yes, your sector
1: might be going through a tough phase, such as Seek, but it's got a huge competitive advantage. So if anything, it will come out of this period and in a stronger position than its right. peers. Yeah, yeah. with Good Kathmandu, do look it's, it's in fa- it's in fashion at the moment, but it's not really in a strong competitive advantage where yeah. it has that economic moat that people always talk about. So I think that's the difference you've always got to look at.
0: Yep, yep, terrific. All right, gents, that's our uh, 10 stocks. Uh, Just to recap uh, the last five stocks. Mastermind, a no. Um, Lifestyle Communities, uh, great company, but too many uncertainties uh, going through with property and lifestyle and things like that. Uh, Crown Resorts, a no. Primero, a no. And uh, Kathmandu, a no as well. Um, what's floating uh, straw man's boat at the moment, Andrew?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked, Koshi. I mentioned it to you about a month ago, um, yeah. just before we went to air, because I was quite excited about it. Um, Pointera, which is, okay. uh, they do uh, 3D geospatial imaging that, yeah, software. Yeah. It's gone from like three and a half cents to like twenty-three cents a oh, wow. day, and it's it's been very. I will say this though, it had been on our members' radar for a while. It actually entered our yeah. index nine months ago. Right. So if, if you haven't been a straw man,
0: uh, go along because it's it's an investing club, share club, and they yeah. do like the um, uh, what is it uh, the Aria list for music, uh, you do it for stocks, don't you? Of for stocks and for investors. For investors, yeah. And yeah. it is all driven by the members.
2: It is. Uh, anyone can get on, anyone can add their recommendations, yeah. manage a paper portfolio, get a bit of practice, hopefully stand on the shoulders of some giants and, and do that. And so we're agnostic, people can do what they like, but we've got a really good community and that one stands out. Now, before anyone accuses me of a pump and dump, yeah. um, uh, the, the, the price is well above what the community, the community consensus valuations like 10 or 12 cents or right, something. Okay. So it's, it's double that at the moment, yep. but it's a really it's a really good example of putting in the time, laying the foundations, buying it before it's sexy. And we've actually seen members yep. starting to sell out at this mm-hmm. point in time, So, okay. but but it's done well for us.
0: And Michael, uh, what are your Aristocrats
2: are? being one that we
1: think decent value. Um, I think it's run up a bit now, but we continue to like that one long-term for something a bit smaller. Uh, Betmakers, which basically provides the platform for a lot of the on-course bookmakers as well as oh. some of the larger um, bookmakers as well. It is something that. interesting. Wow, it, it's oh, that's interesting. Uh, the, I think the Waterhouse family has a stake in it and has been a big oh. part of it, its growth so far, but they do have a like a, a, like a lot of the large players, PointsBet, mm. um, William Hill, all using that as basically their way of Providing odds, but also providing that back-end sort of portal platform
0: support. That's fabulous. All right, okay. Things to think about. Uh, Andrew Page from Strawman. Um, thank you for joining us, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Now, if you want to suggest any stocks to uh, for us to cover here on the call, email them the call at ozbiz.com.au or through Twitter using the handle ozbiztv. Before we head to a very short break. Uh, Have you subscribed to our daily COB podcast, Close of Business podcast yet? Fantastic rundown of the day in business, finance and startups with Nadine and Scuddy. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favorite podcast platform. And join me later when I return at 2pm to speak live with Commonwealth Bank Chief Executive Matt Common off the back of the bank's full year results. Uh, we will be his first live interview. Looking forward to that. That's from 2 p.m. Eastern, right here on AusBiz. Uh, time for a short break, and back after that, don't go away. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. Hi.